I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Where do you draw the line, my friends? The line between the protection of public health and the stripping away of our freedoms. We can make an argument for both, and depending on which Facebook feed you prescribe to, which news organization you follow, both of them sound like they're actually happening right now. But if you're like me, and you don't know what the heck to think, because you read this article and everything sounds true, you read this article and everything sounds true, the truth has to be somewhere in the middle, right? Well, I'm having a tough time figuring that out, but what I can see for sure is that a change is upon us. I do believe that a great change is upon us. This is not some esoteric spiritual thing. This is fact, friends. We've talked about the Great Reset and many other things. I've been talking about the changing economy and how that's going to impact society thanks to my work with the crypto viewing team. And that has a, a great effect on what we're seeing right now. Now, coronavirus has fundamentally changed our way of life, and I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way things were. Now, all these other things have been happening as well, but on this episode, I want to talk about some of the headlines, some of the articles, some of the policies, corporate policies that are changing the way we exist within society with a focus on travel, freedom of movement. How does that impact your everyday life? How does that impact your privacy, your health, what goes into your body? That's what I want to talk about on this episode, my friends. It's a challenging conversation to have. It's a challenging thought exercise to go through. And, and again, not for everybody. Me, I'm straddling the fence here, um, trying to weigh between, well, how much is too much of an intervention? How much of this is, is you know, just chess pieces being put into place to bring about these this new society that we're moving into? It, it, for me, it's it's difficult. Now, here's the thing. In my opinion, as I see it right now, whether this virus was fabricated in a lab, a weapon of war, an act of nature, 
right now doesn't matter. What matters is that it's it's here. It's happening and we need to deal with it as best we can. We have plenty of time to figure out why it's here, how it got here, but we need to make sure that our own house is right and that we're prepared for these changes that are happening around us. Make no mistake about it, friends, it's frustrating. And sometimes we want to go after the authority that's telling us we can't do certain things. We want to be the ones that are in control and in charge to make those decisions for our own health. And I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's very frustrating to hear somebody tell me how many people I can have in my home. I don't agree with that. I'm angered over that. However, we also need to be mindful that the virus, whatever you feel about the reaction to the virus, the virus is real. So what do we do about it? How do we handle it? How do we process it? How do we move forward? And how do we deal with the policy changes to our society that we may not agree with? Can we deal with this? And if we deal with it, are those consequences going to be worth it? These are questions I don't have answers for, but things that we need to consider as I get into some of the I'd say the path to the new way in society that I can pretty much guarantee so many will willingly accept, which will make it difficult for those that want to resist these changes to resist them. Before I get into some of this travel stuff, some of this technology to track and trace you, uh, I want to share an article from Unknown Country that that hopefully will mystify you as much as it's mystified me. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is titled from November 23rd, As Above, So Below. New study finds striking similarities between the structure of the universe and the human brain. It might seem like an unlikely team-up, but an astrophysicist and a neurosurgeon did indeed collaborate in a study examining the commonalities between one of the largest structures known to science, the vast web of galaxies that stretch across the universe, and the microscopic network made up of the brain's neurons, to discover if there are any similarities beyond the striking visual resemblance shared between the two phenomena. On an unimaginably vast scale, galaxies under the influence of gravity from both ordinary and dark matter clumped together into ever-increasingly larger structures called clusters, superclusters, and ultimately the cobweb-like filaments that span hundreds of millions of light years across the visible universe. In a 2017 article in Nautilus Quarterly, astrophysicist Franco Vazo of the University of Bologna and neurosurgeon Alberto Felletti of the University of Verona described the void filament boundary, the border between the structures formed by galaxies, and the vast empty voids between them as being extremely complex. Gravity accelerates matter at these boundaries to speeds of thousands of kilometers per second, creating shock waves and turbulence in intergalactic gases. According to the article, we have predicted that the void filament boundary is one of the most complex volumes in the universe as measured by the number of bits of information it takes to describe it. This got us thinking, is this more complex than the brain? Indeed, despite being separated in size by 27 orders of magnitude, that's billion, billion, billion times larger or smaller, 
galaxy filaments and the brain's network of neurons look remarkably similar, although the physical processes that drive both structures are vastly different, they both result in similar levels of complexity and self-organization. But the comparison doesn't end there, according to the Folletti and Vaza study, published this month in Frontiers in Physics. I want you to go ahead and read the rest of this article where they're finding similarities in structures uh, within the brain and within the universe. Now, if you prescribe to as above, so below, and you've seen those really cool videos, and, and look, I'm not a scientist, so I'm just talking about this for fun because I think it's a fun thought experiment, so please take that for what it's worth. But if you look at it as above, so below, here's a thought that I'm having when I read something like this. And I'm looking at my, my what I compiled in Food for the Archons, how it's possible that our reality is a universe that exists within a universe, within a universe, within a universe, and that scale goes up and down. And uh, in order to get to base reality, which was number one, you know, reality prime, if you want to call it that, then we have to ascend through multiple levels of reality, which I just, I go into great detail in the book talking about. Yes, I know it's a shameless plug, but if you're interested in that, I, I spent a lot of time explaining that possibility of to explain our reality. Now, what if, it's a big what if, but what if in looking at this, we realize that the universe as we see it is a giant brain which means we are one tiny little node within that brain. And I had, I did have, I shared this a while ago. Um, it, I, I was doing a, a deep meditation and I had a, a thought that came to me and I, I wrote about it. I'm going to share it again. I shared it on the show already. But I'm going to share it again because it's relevant. I just thought of this as I'm sitting here reading this. Okay, like I said, I've read this before, but I want to read it again. Uh, it's just a thought that I had that came to me, thinking about what, what might this reality be? And if we are a single node within a larger, intelligent brain, for lack of a better word, uh, here, here's what came to me back on August 2nd, 2020. Thoughts are things, and we are organelles in a more complex system. There is no time, only now. Past and future are an illusion. If I am everything and everything is me, then I am experiencing myself at the speed of thought to learn a lesson. Every wrongdoing is mine, pleasure and pain they're mine. I am them and they are me. I did it all in an instant. This is now. The micro represents the macro. For my world is a mere cell in a larger organism with the sole purpose of processing one thought of of good and evil from the question has derived our world but it does not exist not out there but in here our universe is a mere thought in an instant and we i have free reign to create complex challenges in order to learn my lesson to send the signal to my greater higher mind wow that is freaking relevant to this article i again as i'm doing this live uh, as I'm recording this show, let me, let me word it that way, I'm reading through this article and talking about it, and I remembered writing about this, and I think that's highly relevant. It's exactly what I was talking about. If there's some kind of connection, if if we are a node with, and the universe is, in fact, a giant brain, well, that might explain what it is. This information came to me, again, while I was meditating, so take it for what it's worth. But I get excited about this kind of stuff when you get those intuitive 
perceptions that seem to make sense. So if if the universe is a giant brain and we are a part of that brain, we obviously serve a function and that function at times may be important, at times may be insignificant, at times it may be what you make of it. But I think this is an, an interesting piece to revisit uh, as time continues, as we continue to learn about our reality and our existence. So maybe we are uh, a microcosm of the macro. But if that's the case, then maybe deep within the recesses of your own brain is someone, a, a consciousness just like you, that is a part of you, that is pondering the same thing, that is deep within you, that is causing you to ask the questions as a part of these internal processes. We can go on and on. I can get real cyclical here, but I think you get the idea. It's a really fun article. Uh, I take a look at it. I take a look at the research and draw your own conclusions. It's from unknowncountry.com. I'll have the links in the show notes. Speaking of which, uh, again, today being November 28th, uh, I plan to release excuse me, every time I hit my microphone, I lose my audio. I plan to release for the first time, I want to say since coronavirus hit, uh, the Seeker newsletter. It's coming back. Um, you know, There's going to be some good information in there for you. If you haven't subscribed already, subscribe at sixcentsmedia.net. You'll get access to read I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. That's book one in the two-part series so far, pondering this reality, sharing some more of my my journey. Um, anyway, that newsletter is coming out tomorrow. Another special announcement: the Seeker Podcast is now on Spotify, effective today. I got it uploaded. I got the link out there. So if you listen to Spotify, you listen to podcasts on Spotify, you can now find the Seeker Podcast. All right, commercial over. Let's talk about some more news stuff here. Again, just a heads up here. Um, this is from the Atlantic. I'm just going to read the headline and the intro here, and then keep it moving. It says, hospitals know what's coming. We're on an absolutely catastrophic path, said a COVID-19 doctor at America's best prepared hospital. This is dated November 20th, 2020. Perhaps no hospital in the United States was better prepared for a pandemic than the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. After the SARS outbreak of 2003, its staff began specifically preparing for emergency infections. The center has the nation's only federal quarantine facility and its largest biocontainment unit, unit, which cared for airlifted Ebola patients in 2014. People on staff had detailed pandemic plans. They ran drills. Ron Klain, who was President Barack Obama's Ebola czar and will be Joe Biden's chief of staff in the White House, once told me that UNMC is arguably the best in the country at handling dangerous and unusual diseases. There's a reason many of the Americans who were airlifted from the Diamond Princess cruise ships in February were sent to UNMC. In the past two weeks, the hospital had to convert an entire building into a COVID-19 tower from the top down. It now has 10 COVID-19 units, each taking up an entire hospital floor. Three of the units provide intensive care to the very sickest people, several of whom die every day. One unit solely provides comfort care to COVID-19 patients who are certain to die. We've never had to do anything like this, Angela Hewlett, the infectious disease specialist who directs the hospital's COVID-19 team, told me. We are on an absolutely catastrophic path. 
to hear such talk from someone at UNMC, the best prepared of Americans' hospitals, should shake the entire nation. In mid-March, when just 18 Nebraskans had tested positive for COVID-19, Sally Schwillen, the head of the hospital's emergency preparedness program, sounded gently confident, or at least she told me, I'm confident in having a plan. She hoped the hospital wouldn't hit capacity because people will have done the right thing by staying home, she said. And people did, for a while. The U.S. flattened the curve. But now the 2,400 Nebraskans are testing positive for COVID-19 every day, a rate five times higher than in the spring. More than 20% of tests are coming back positive and up to 70% of some rural counties, signs that many infections aren't being detected. The number of people who've been hospitalized with the disease has tripled in just six weeks. UNMC is fuller is fuller with COVID-19 patients and patients full stop than it has ever been. We're watching a system breaking in front of us and we're helpless to stop it, says Kelly Calcutt, an infectious disease and critical care physician. Calcutt knows what's coming. Throughout the pandemic, hospitalizations have lagged behind cases of, by about 12 days. Over the past 12 days, the total number of confirmed cases in Nebraska has risen from 82,400 to 109,280. That rise represents a wave of patients that will slam into already beleaguered hospitals between now and Thanksgiving. I don't see how we avoid becoming overwhelmed, said Dan Johnson, a critical care doctor. People need to know that the assumption we will always have a hospital bed for them is a false one. What Mike makes this nightmare worse, he adds, is that it was preventable. All right, I'm going to share this uh, link in the show notes. You can read the rest of the article. But one of the top hospitals for infectious disease is warning us that things are about to get worse. Now, listen, friends, I know we all love a good conspiracy, myself included. I've discussed many of them on this show. That doesn't mean that something isn't happening. Now, let's look at two extremes of this. Let's say coronavirus is fake and it's not as bad as they say. What what I like to do or what I think is important to do is look at the news coverage because I think if there is a conspiracy, let me use that as an if, I would think that that plan is being communicated through the media. No, they're not sitting there saying, attention, attention, this is our plan. What they're saying is, or what they're doing is they're driving thought and action in a particular direction. How are they driving people? They're driving people and letting them know, hey, here's what's coming. Here's what to be afraid of. What's my point? I think no matter what you believe about this virus, it's going to have a dramatic impact on our society and our way of life at a minimum during the short term. And I'd say within two weeks from now, as they've been warning with Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, we're going to see some even higher spikes. Are we going to see fatalities? I don't know. Are we going to see hospitals overrun? overrun? I'm pretty sure that we are. What does that mean for us? Well, again, we need to be mentally prepared for that. We need to be mentally prepared for more businesses to close down, for the economy to falter once again. And I've talked before about different options that we have for that. We need to be prepared. Brainstorm it. What does it look like when businesses start to fail? What does it look like if you or someone in your family gets sick? What supplies will you need in your home? For how long will you need them? These are questions that we should be answering, and we should be answering them right now, my friends. 
I think it's going to get more challenging before it gets better. All right, let's talk about our freedoms here. Uh, now, again, Thanksgiving was on Thursday. Today is Saturday. Uh, I also want to acknowledge, thank goodness, my Bill Cooper theory or possibility, what he talked about in Behold a Pale Horse, did not happen. At least as far as I know, Patriots were not arrested on Thanksgiving. I did think it was interesting how Cooper did talk about that, and the big push was for everyone to remain home on Thanksgiving. All right. So fortunately, uh, I don't want to say I was wrong on that one because I didn't I didn't put myself out there in that capacity. But that idea and that theory did not pan out. So thank goodness for that. All right. But here's what I got. This is from four days ago. And I've been looking. I haven't been able to find confirmation that this actually happened. Um, so if you do, please send it my way. But this is from before Thanksgiving. New York City will have COVID checkpoints at key bridges and crossings. New York City will have vehicle checkpoints at key bridges and crossings and will strictly enforce the travel quarantine, Sheriff Joseph Fusito said. The Sheriff's Office will conduct, conduct spot checks when out-of-state buses drop riders off at the curb. Test and tracing teams will be on the ground to direct individuals to testing sites and provide education on quarantine, Fusito said. The 14-day quarantine mandates that travelers quarantine or test out. Violations of self-quarantine will be enforced and may carry fines of $1,000 to $2,000, according to the mayor's office. The city will enforce the completion of travelers travel, traveler forms at airports, Penn Station, and the Port Authority bus terminal. There will be self-test site teams on site. New York, the early the early center of the U.S. outbreak, reported a seven-day average of 1,476 new cases and a seven-day positive test rate of 3.17%, according to Mayor Bill de Blasio. Okay, so what they're doing in New York City, at least according to this article from four days ago, um, they're stopping you, they're checking you. Is that a violation of your freedom, of your civil liberties? Well, it's not law enforcement that's doing it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it is. It's the sheriff. I thought it was just these uh, other checkpoints. I would argue that it is. Do you have probable cause? Do you have reasonable suspicion to stop somebody because they're from another state? Well, you're not stopping them to arrest them. You're not stopping them because you suspect they're committing a crime. So... I don't know that that matters. I don't think that that matters. You, so I, I'm not saying I agree with it. Maybe it's a loophole in the law, but that's where we are right now. People are being stopped and checked, and it feels like, and here's the ethical dilemma, my friends. It feels like a violation. It feels like a violation of your freedom. You're being told you can't travel. You're being stopped and checked. And if I was fear-based, fear-mongering, I could really run with that story and I could spin this up and say, hey, they're taking your freedoms here, which I do think is what's coming, but I could really go off on this. But what if they're right? What if this virus is going to really overrun our society and shut things down? And the only way to stop it for now is to stay home. Stop mingling. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but the neighborhood I just moved out of, it's spreading. 
and several people I know who weren't practicing safe protocols because they were of the mindset this virus won't affect me they're all sick now and I think a lot of us have that mindset now maybe it's just going to be like the flu um Maybe. We don't know enough about it yet. I mean, I don't know. Let me correct that. I don't know enough about it. We never took these precautions for the flu, and that's something that I think we need to be mindful of. Why this one? Is this that dangerous, or is this being used for something else to further some other agenda? And I'm leaning towards that. However, the virus is still real. That's what makes it difficult. All right, here's another article here talking about the same story. New New York City sheriffs expanding COVID checkpoints for out-of-state visitors ahead of Thanksgiving. Americans looking to drive through New York City for the holidays may face some roadblocks. In a statement Wednesday, the New York City Sheriff's Department warned travelers of new checkpoints where riders will be tested for COVID-19. It's part of new measures announced earlier this month, which require visitors to test negative for coronavirus both before and after arriving in the city. New York City also requires out-of-town guests to complete travel forms when arriving at airports, train, and bus stations. So again, they're asking you for private information. All right, here we go. Where is this going? Step two. So we already have checkpoints throughout New York City, which we may see in other cities as this continues to spread. Here we go. This is from theweek.com. The airline industry begins to plan COVID-19 vaccination passports for international travel. This is from November 24th. The International Air Transportation Association said Monday it's in the final development phase of a mobile, mobile digital passport app that would tell airlines if international travelers travelers had been vaccinated against COVID-19. The app would help get people traveling again safely. Uh, IATA's Nick Kareen said in a statement, by giving governments confidence that systematic COVID-19 testing can work as a replacement for quarantine requirements. Okay, so that's that's the upsell right there. Well, we won't have to quarantine because we have the app that's tracking everybody that's been tested that's negative, so we're good to go. Well, why is this significant? Again, what have we been talking about, my friends? Your digital identity, your digital uh, profile that's being built, that's going to have the apps that's going to tell them everything about you. And it's going to be, it's going to have the power to grant you access or deny you access to things like travel, maybe to certain areas of town, to certain events, to certain grocery stores. Who knows, friends? This, this is the, the, a, a, system of control like we've never seen before outside the realm of fiction. Australia's Qantas announced Monday that it's on board with requiring a vaccination passport for international travels travelers starting next year. We're looking at changing our terms and conditions to say for international travelers that we will ask people to have the vaccination before they get on the aircraft. Qantas CEO Alan Joyce told Australia's Network 9, Korean Air and Air New Zealand also backed the idea, but said any changes would have to be coordinated with their respective governments. In the past few weeks, Moderna, Pfizer BioNTech, and Oxford University AstraZeneca have announced that large trials show their respective COVID-19 vaccines to be safe and highly effective at preventing the disease. All right, 
Here we go. Listen to this. Last paragraph. The IATA and International Airlines Group, the parent company of British Airways, have been working on a digital pass they hope to roll out in the first quarter of 2021. The app would use blockchain technology and wouldn't store user data, IATA said. You know what blockchain technology is? Cryptocurrency. This is it, my friends. This goes hand in hand with the new economy. This, when I read stuff like this, this is when I say this virus was planned. Maybe they didn't release the virus, I don't know, but they had the plan in place waiting for an event like this to roll this stuff out. Okay, let's keep going here. This app use blockchain technology, there we go. Korean Air is among those in the airline industry looking at trying out Common Pass, an app endorsed by who? The World Economic Forum and created with the Commons Project Foundation and International SOS's AOK Pass is currently being used on flights between uh, Abu Dhabi and Pakistan. All right, friends, there you have it. But wait, there's more. This one comes from The Independent. Airlines roll out health passports for COVID-free travelers. Digital certificates aim to make travel easier. Five airlines, this is this is basically the same thing, covering the same story. Um, there was something else in here. Without the ability to trust COVID-19 tests and eventually vaccine records across international borders, many countries will feel compelled to retain full travel bans and mandatory quarantines for as long as the pandemic persists, says Dr. Bradley Perkins, chief medical officer of the Commons Project and former chief strategy and innovation officer at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. With trusted individual health data, countries can implement more nuanced health screening requirements for entry. Participating airlines aren't initially making the pass mandatory, but have indicated it will be a key component in restoring customer confidence and safe air travel alongside reliable testing. Cruise lines, hotel chains, and shipping companies are also in consultation with the scheme on how they might use the Common Pass, according to Paul Meyer, chief executive of the Commons Project reports the Financial Times. All right, this is impacting multiple injuries, my friends. Multiple injuries. Did I say injuries? I meant industries. It's been a long day. All right, here's another one. Uh, I had something about Lufthansa as well. I can't find it right now. All right, so in, in shifting slightly on this, let's look at this one from CNN. Your phone can send you an alert if you were near someone who has coronavirus. As new coronavirus cases explode nationwide, health officials are turning to cell phones to help slow the spread of infections. Thanks to technology available on Apple and Google phones, you can now get pop-up notifications in some states if you were close to someone who later tested positive for COVID-19. The alerts come via state health department apps that use Bluetooth technology to detect when you, or more precisely your phone, has been in close contact with an infected person's phone. While these apps can't keep you safe, they only let you know after you've been exposed. For now. They could prevent others from getting infected if you take precautions self, such as self-quarantining after receiving an alert. Millions of people are signing up. Let me say that again. 
Millions of people are signing up, although these apps aren't yet available in many states. Health officials believe the alerts could be especially helpful in cases when you, an infected person has been in contact with strangers. For example, for example, in a bus, train, or checkout line, who wouldn't otherwise know they were exposed. All right, again, think about this. This, I think, is a precursor to something like a social credit system. Right now, they're tracking COVID-19. Once this infrastructure is in place, they're not going to let it go. What will it be used for next? What will they target next? Once this pandemic is over, how will this impact our lives? And that's the problem reaction solution. That's the fear-based connection there. This may be beneficial. A lot of this tech, you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. But at the same time, it's very dangerous. And that's what scares me about this, my friends. It's dangerous in terms of our freedoms and our privacy. Now, when you pick up a cell phone, it's constantly connecting information about you, tracking that data, transmitting that data. Picture that on steroids now. All right, friends. So there's a ton of information that's being connected, collected against us. And this is one of the ways it's going to be rolled out. I'm not going to sit here and say this is all bad. I can't sit here and say this is all good either. Um, ultimately, I'm going to give my opinion. I don't like this. This, But that's because I have these ideas about where this is leading. Now, again, maybe this is how we get to that utopian society by giving up our freedoms, by allowing everything to be tracked and known about us, and by allowing operant condition to socially condition us into certain ways of thought and behavior because maybe we just can't get it right on our own. But it just feels like we're giving something up. And that's very difficult for me as I listen and watch this unfold in front of us. All right, so much more to come on this as I continue to track it here at Sixth Sense Media. Send me your feedback. If you have any other information on this, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, am I overreacting? Am I seeing something that's not there? Or uh, are, are we in trouble here? And who knows, maybe this will lead to the, some kind of utopic utopia society. Maybe this will lead to some kind of dystopian society. Uh, I'm not too optimistic as it stands right now, my friends. I'm sorry, but... I don't like what I'm seeing. All right, friends, quick commercial plug here as I'm drawing to the end of the uh, of the show tonight. If you haven't done so already, I highly recommend I Am Human, Food for the Archons. It's a, uh, a great book. Re released it last year. It would make a great Christmas gift for the truth seeker in your life. Or if that's you, you haven't read the book yet, um, the feedback I'm getting has, has been fantastic on the book. Um, really, if, if you are somebody that is just struggling with what the heck is going on with this reality, with the paranormal, with the supernatural, why do I have these experiences? I can't understand it. I think this book is a great starting point or it's a great midpoint or wherever you are in that journey, you're going to walk away from that with connections that you haven't had before. I guarantee it. So I highly recommend it and it's entertaining. So you can find it at sixcentsmedia.net and on amazon.com as well. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Seeker Podcast. Don't forget to check out Ray Davis at the Affirmation Spot, Daz Smith at remoteview.com, Edward Reardon on YouTube, Dick Hall 
Algar on YouTube, and of course, the crypto viewing team. I'm Dennis Nappy the second. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind, and let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend, my friend.